Hi there and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. We are back after a week break hiatus by me. Well, I guess, it, it, you know, by you as well because I wasn't here. Right, but my face isn't on the podcast art, so. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, we did some uh, skiing this past week, at least, you know, me and the family. I uh, had another baton competition that my little girls did fantastic in. Uh, went to a couple of museums, entertained some family, and overall, had a very nice break. Beautiful. Overall, uh, it was fantastic. It's always nice to get away uh, from the mothership. By the way, my name is Jason Luber. I'm the traffic anchor here for Denver 7 News. And I'm pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Away we go. Uh, yeah, we have an announcement at the end of the show regarding you. True. And a change to the show. It. Uh, we'll see how this changes the show. See if you can guess what it is. Uh, since this is a tease, we're not going to reveal any more right now in hopes you're going to listen to the entire program to hear this important information but, you, I mean, this is a podcast, so you can, of course, always skip to the very end of the show, listen to the announcement, and then come back to this point, and then hear the rest of the program. As a young man, I would decide whether or not I wanted to read a book at the library by reading the last page. Well, it's just like in Harry Met Sally. Yes. When Harry Met Sally, yes, he sir. did the same thing. Reads the first page and then the last page and then puts the book down. Exactly. Uh, you know, whatever floats your boat, people. I can't, I can't make you do what you don't want to do. And we are the podcast for boat floating. We, <laughs> yes, uh, speaking of boat floating, a uh, good thing I wasn't on that uh, Viking boat. <laughs> you and I both, man. Uh, you know, Because I've been on some ships that have been listing and, and going rocking in the waves. Uh, we didn't ever lose power, but it is a little unnerving when you see the dishes shaking and the water in the glass moving. Um, nothing like what those folks had to deal well, with. So my dad was in the Navy, and he would eat with his arms on the table because you had to be ready if the plates shifted one way or another to catch them with your arms so you wouldn't lose your dinner. Ah, there you go. That's See? how you develop bad habits. <laughs> in the Navy. All right. So anyway, we have a big show later. We're going to be talking car sharing at the airport. You can do a lot of sharing, um, and this is just another one of those things you can share, a car at the airport. Now, when I travel, I, I usually rent a car at a traditional place. But there's a new option. It's called Drift. And you can borrow a car from someone who has parked their car at the airport and uh, while they're on a, a trip somewhere else. So it's an interesting concept. Uh, I guess it's a good way to get paid for your car just sitting there. Instead of paying for parking, you're getting paid for parking it. Uh, and I suppose it's maybe less expensive for the renter to borrow the car. I don't know. So I guess we'll, we'll check all that and have um, Alex David from Drift. Coming up in just a little bit. So, while I was away, I was watching all the coverage of the avalanches. We had a lot of avalanches here in Colorado, and 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 it was national news. I mean, this was a historic season. That's what I was right. telling our producing staff, because I am the executive producer. As we were covering it, you're covering history in the making right now. Exactly. I mean, there, there were amounts of snow that weren't seen by people ever in the state, at least in recorded history of the state. Uh, everyone around the country was, was seeing the snow slides on TV, um, covering the interstates and the highways, and some of the slides covered cars with people in them. Uh, that was sort of freaking out my wife because, you know, we were going up skiing, and she was worried about the avalanches and asking me about it. Uh, there was that one dash cam video of the trucker near Copper Mountain where it was covered by an avalanche as they were driving down the highway. With the amount of money that that guy undoubtedly got paid for that video and will continue to get paid for that video in the future, people buy a dash cam. You never know when the footage will come in handy. It is great. I, I saw yesterday a guy on some one-wheeled contraption rolling across the uh, the crosswalk right in front of the car, and his, and his dog was pulling him. I'm going to post that tomorrow. Away we go. It was fantastic. 
Uh, anyway, uh, I, as I was watching the coverage, I kept an eye on how CDOT was handling all the news and how they handled the controlled slides and the ones that they triggered. And I have to say, I'm not impressed. Unfortunately, it's sad to say that I wasn't impressed at all how CDOT handled all that stuff. Th- their avalanche ca- coverage was basically a mess. Do tell. One of the major problems I saw with how CDOT does avalanche control work is that they have a standard procedure not to give a heads up about the hours or the days or the times that they are going to be doing their control work. They really just give you maybe a few minutes heads up. Now, the reasoning is it's sound to them, but it's not to me. They say they are using high explosive charges to trigger these slides, and they, and they don't want to let people know where they're going to be doing this as, as a prevention to someone with ill intentions getting their hands on the explosives. My, my 2019 reaction to all of this is we're, we're not living in a James Bond movie. Seriously. No one's player, planning a, a, a daring high mountain heist of explosives from some CDOT avalanche control crew. Well, and also, these aren't any explosives that you're not going to be able to find on your average construction site either, are they? Or make in your room from the internet, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they are pretty high explosives, but seriously, it's just not realistic that someone's going to come up there and steal this stuff. Honestly, there's better odds of me winning the Powerball and collecting $750 million than some person or group going up there and hijacking a load of explosives from CDOT. Seriously, it's just not going to happen. If they're so worried about some crazy possibility, then why don't they hire a couple of private security people to be up there, some armed professionals to be up there with, maybe some state troopers. They can have a couple of state troopers up there with them at that time so ju- just in case Boris and Natasha swoop down from the sky and steal the dynamite so they can finally deal with the moose and squirrel. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, I'm getting all worked up about this. You, you, did you ever watch Rocky and Bullwinkle? I knew the reference. I, <laughs> I was just so happy I knew that reference. So when CDOT went up to do some avalanche control work one of those days, they, they did it right near the Continental Divide, right by this Eisenhower-Johnson tunnel. They didn't tell anybody about it. Until just before they did it, they really didn't give any advance notice. And then around 7.30 in the morning, they stopped traffic, fired off some charges, and down came a monster avalanche. A monster. It, it was deep enough to have covered semi-trucks. That's how big this avalanche was. So much snow that covered the highway, it about 15 to 20 feet of snow. It was remarkable about how much snow came down. Well, right then and there, they, they should have known the highway was going to be closed for hours, probably for the rest of the day, as it was. Mm-hmm. Then the news started coming out. After I started tweeting about it, I, I saw the, uh, the the highway was closed. I could see it on the cameras. I started tweeting out that the snow slide looked pretty good, uh, and, and it was going to take some time to, to get it all cleared up. And, and then the, the, the newsroom started calling about it. CDOT started getting more calls from all the newsrooms about it. And instead of closing the highway all the way back at Georgetown, about 10 miles back, they kept it only closed at about the slide area and were turning vehicles around. Basically as if they only had about 15 minutes of snow slide cleanup to do and then the highway was going to be open when that was not going to be the case. Mm -hmm. They just did not handle this situation very well. They finally, after hours and hours, closed down the highway to prevent people from keep driving up there because you're in 10 miles of traffic jam. And what are you going to do when you're a 
when you're a trucker, you're a family with some kids, and, and you're stuck, and you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Then they decided to have a press conference with their new executive director, Shoshana Liu. I met Shoshana about a month ago. She's very smart. Uh, she was very nice. But she's really not the most confident person in front of a microphone. But Because she really, she hasn't done it all her life. She shouldn't be expected to be poised and, and perfect in front of the press because she's not trained in it. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had to deal with it. But in this role as executive director, she's going to have to. I mean, that's just part of the job. She's also been in the state for about 20 minutes. So she really doesn't know much about our transportation system, the history, how the mountains can see tons of snow, the rock slides, the avalanches, all that kind of stuff. Uh, or all the potential problems with driving up there. So it's not like she can clearly and, and easily talk about I-70 and all these different highways because she doesn't really know them. I mean, it's not, she, doesn't, she hasn't been here but for a short time. Which, in hindsight, you would have to call a failing on CDOT's part to not bring somebody in who had a broader familiarity with the roads, right? Right. I mean, she, she's actually very new to the whole transportation game. Is She came here from Rhode Island. She was the chief operating officer for their Department of Transportation for a couple of years. She did spend some time as the assistant secretary of budget and programs at the U.S. DOT. But her work was mostly in the financial part of the Department of Transportation, not really the nuts and bolts about infrastructure and transportation and that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, it seems like it's a political appointment by Governor Polis. Yes and no, right? I mean, it's good to have somebody with a financial background in charge. I think that's more of a sign that you got to delegate that stuff, dude. Like, get your roads chief out But her there. father was the uh, Treasury Secretary under Obama. The, the There's a connection between him and between Polis and Washington. I mean, there's a lot of political connections there. And that's all fair, but you also can't knock a well-qualified person just because they knew somebody. She has a history degree from uh, Harvard and from Northwestern as a major. A history degree. As the Department of Transportation, yeah, you'd like uh, you'd like an director. engineer there. Well, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So that, but it's really not fair to her to then throw her out there in front of the press without a lot more training, and and let her be put out to the wolves. Now, obviously, the Colorado press is a lot kinder than some of the East Coast press. So. Anyway, uh, I guess that's the way politics works sometimes. Well, there's also not much Colorado press remaining. No, there's really <laughs> there's only the TV people for the most part. Exactly. And there were a few radio stations that were uh, on some of those calls, but for the most part, it was just the TV people that were up there, and they're going to be kind to her. Yep. Anyway, they roll out Shoshana up near the slide area for this for the media, and she's trying to read from a prepared statement, and that never goes well. It really doesn't. I'm watching this Facebook live feed of the whole thing, and the comments from people watching were pretty harsh. Uh, and so Shoshana, she acted nervous because she was. Uh, she didn't act really knowledgeable because she wasn't. Um, she acted uninformed because she was uninformed. Uh, I actually don't think that she really needed to speak at all. You could have had her out, had her out there, basically introducing the experts from the Avalanche Center. He was great, that guy, and the road maintenance department. He was great, and and then basically left it at that and had them handle all the real information and just have her up there. Hey. We are aware of the situation. We're trying to get the public back uh, going here as soon as we can. Here are the experts. Let's talk to them and and get their feeling of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the, the experts were much more comfortable with the press than she was um, because they probably have done it, and they're obviously more comfortable being in Colorado than, than she is. 
Um, she just wasn't in the put in the position to succeed, and that's what you always want to do with, especially the leader of your organization. Put somebody in the position to succeed. Doesn't matter if it's the top person or the janitor or whatever. You put them in a position to succeed. Exactly. And she really wasn't in that in that position. Um, but that's just one seasoned news guy's opinion. Um, meanwhile, the highway was still closed. They weren't giving out any really great details about how much longer the people were going to have to sit on the highway and when they were going to get everything open and how much more avalanche control work they were going to have to do um, or changing that policy, which to me is just, again, dumb. Outdated. Outdated. Not good. Right. Maybe that's the better word for it. Outdated and uh, needs of revision at this time of at this time of our lives. Yeah. I, I mean, I say all of this. I believe the department has a responsibility to let drivers know well in advance that a highway is going to be closed down, um, and and that there would be a good possibility that it would be closed for the entire day. The triggered slide, the CDOT triggered slide, is what closed the highway. Is that that connection has been made? Correct. Yes, it was their slide. They do, they're the ones that set the charges off that brought down all that snow. Is that the same charge that also buried the car? No, different okay. charge. Got it. Because they always close the highway down before they do their charges. But that information for truckers especially, or for families with kids who, who maybe can't stay in a car for three or four hours, um, that is extremely useful information for those people. For the truckers who might either divert their load around one area, one highway, one interstate, whatever, that's, that is extremely useful information. Yeah. And they failed many times over the past couple of months doing that and helping out these people. Um, parents who have kids in the car to the workers who have to maybe miss their shift because they live in, uh, let's say, Georgetown and they work up there at a basin or whatever the case may be that you're not going to work that day. Nope. You could have had notice where you maybe could have uh, scooted up through the uh, slide area a little bit before that. Yep. I, I really think it's time for, for the Colorado DOT to reexamine their policy of letting drivers know when they're going to do avalanche control work. And uh, provide closure times, estimate opening times, all that sort of thing. Have equipment ready to go and not have to wait an hour for the front-end loaders and for the snow movers to get there so they can clear the slides earlier. Um, really have have more consideration for the traveling public than they than it seems like they do right now. Exactly. Respect our commuters. Do you think they're going to take our advice? Absolutely not. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. You, you made some pretty salient points here, and I do think there was a big learning curve in terms of understanding how the mountains can affect traffic in different ways. If you come out here and you expect it to just be like Atlanta or some other major right. metropolitan city that doesn't have all the geographical challenges, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when one of those geographical challenges does pop up. Exactly. We are a unique state. The highest state in average elevation in the nation. Not just in elevation. Anyway, that's our rant for the day. Uh, in other news, at first, it seemed like a typical Saturday at Moscow's airport. Passengers were lining up near the gate to board the plane, but one man clearly stood out. Video from the scene showed the man taking off all his clothes and standing in line stark naked. Covering his private parts with his hands, he calmly waited for his turn as others passed right past him at the final check getting on the plane. It was not clear what the man had in mind, but one witness had said, the man explained his stunt by saying, clothes make body aerodynamics worse, so it's easier to fly nude. Vladimir Putin's really gone off the deep end. I didn't realize he was going to be flying on the plane and not in the plane. Aerodynamics have nothing to do with it when you're in the plane. True. Nude or not. 
Nude or not. The man was later detained by police and was to be examined for his mental condition. In Russia, you think? I don't think he's just going to be politely uh, examined. Spoiler alert, it's not good. His mental condition, not good. Who hasn't tossed a coin into a fountain for for good luck? Mm. You've done that, yeah? Of course. For a wish or good luck, right? Repeatedly. Well, two women in their 20s who are getting on a flight in China each admitted to tossing a one yuan coin into the plane's engine as they were boarding, and they did that for quote-unquote good luck. Yeah, this is going to be good luck for the flight. Let's throw a metal coin into the turbo fan blades of this engine attached to the airplane I'm about to get in. Boy, that took a turn. The lucky air flight, <laughs> which ended up honestly, the air, the the flight, the uh, the airline is called Lucky Air. Honestly, it wasn't lucky that day. Apparently, they were delayed as mechanics checked the engine for damage. A staff member noticed the passengers throwing the coins and then alerted police. At the airport, the pair were detained after the coins were found on the ground near the front of the plane and the engine there during the pre-flight check. They were escorted off the plane and not allowed on the flight. What? They would be able to do less damage if they were inside the plane. Yes. You should just keep them in the Let game. them go, man. Go. Get out of here. Go, go as far from here as possible. Well, from airplanes on the ground to your car in around the airplanes, borrowing and sharing has been around forever, mostly between family and friends, but... I guess it's only been recently that over the last, what, five, ten years, people have been able to borrow and share with strangers on services like Airbnb and Uber and SoFi and Turo, and there are others like that. Now, today, we'd like to explore another one of these peer-to-peer sharing services. It's called Drift, and Drift is a car-sharing service that connects people who need a car, and there is a special twist here because they're also connecting travelers who park at an airport with those who need a car when they are traveling. It's happening right here at DIA in Denver. To explain all this and how it works and the future of these services, the general manager of Drift is joining us, Alex David. Alex, thanks for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. So, Alex, let's first talk about this service. How did it come about? Yeah, so so I think I think you, you teed it up very nicely. Drift is a service that connects outbound travelers who own a car with inbound travelers looking to borrow a car. And... We were exploring different opportunities in terms of ways to take, you know, take cars, which are often sitting idle uh, a lot of the time, and put those to better use, get those cars moving more often. And we felt like airports were such a natural environment for that. You have people traveling out of Denver, in this case, leaving their cars behind, either at a parking lot or at their home, and they're, they're, sitting, they're sitting underutilized and unused. And at the same time, you have people flying into Denver looking to borrow a car for their trip. And so... We felt like it was such a natural place to, again, put cars to, to better use and get those assets back on the road moving. It, it sounds logical, but do you think that anybody under the age of 35 is comfortable with doing this sort of thing? <laughs> we actually have had quite a few customers under the age of 35, which is, which is really exciting. We've been piloting, uh, piloting here in Denver for about five or six months, and we've seen people from all different types of walks of life and, and all different types of use cases drawn to the service for, for varying reasons. And we've had a lot of success in, in, in offering this service to both, again, people traveling out of Denver and those traveling in. So obviously you set it up and, and it's, it's 
I, I can understand why me, as let's say I'm going to be traveling on vacation to Miami, I go and park my car out at the airport, and it's just going to sit there. So instead of it m- m- costing me money to park, it could be making me money to park. But what about the other side? Why Why would I want to, if let's say I'm flying from Miami to Denver on vacation, why would I want to use Drift and not just use one of the standard usual uh, uh, car rental agencies like I have forever, Hertz or Avis or any of the other ones? Sure. Yeah, we, we, we really pride ourselves on, on a couple of things. First and foremost is convenience. We aim to get our borrowers on and off the lot in five minutes or less. We want it to be a really seamless pickup experience. The last thing that you want after getting off a flight from Miami in this case is to go sit in a long line um, you know, deal with all different types of, of employees and paperwork and whatnot. So we really make the process um, highly automated and seamless through our mobile application and get you on your way very quickly once you arrive to the lot. And the second thing that we've seen really appeal to our users is the variety of cars that we have. Um, I was just uh, on the lot yesterday and I saw I saw uh, a BMW X5. I saw um, a Mercedes C-Class. I saw all different types of vehicles um, that had uh, that that people chose to share with us. And it's it's fun to to see the different types of cars that people can get when they choose to borrow. Alex, I'm gonna give you an easy one, but it's a two-part question. One, how do I know it's not a crackhead running my car? Like what kind of background checks do you do? And two, how do you verify that the person picking up the car is the one that shows up as the registered user on the account? Sure, so we actually do have an on-site team, 24-7, 365, to make this process as convenient as possible for our customers on both sides of the market. And so we, we do check um, check the license of someone borrowing a car against the name and the reservation uh, upon pickup for just the reason that you that you mentioned. But we also do in advance uh, run a check on the on a license that you have to submit to us. So you go ahead and submit your license. In my you know my case, I'd submit Alex David's license, and we run a check to verify that that is a a, a real valid license. Um, safety is of absolutely paramount importance to us. You know we talk about about car sharing, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of what ifs that people, you know, that, that come to mind for people when they think about sharing what's typically their second most expensive asset. And so we take every precaution that we can to make sure that we are putting borrowers in safe cars and that we are, we are trusting our owner's cars into safe and responsible individuals. So, so it's something that we think about every single day. So you said safety is one big concern. I'm sure that odor is another huge concern. So is there any sort of policy that you guys have saying that you can't be a smoker and write your car on drift? And conversely, is there any sort of protection for a car, somebody who's running out their car in case somebody like spills coffee or decides they're gonna light up inside the car? Yeah, it's, it's funny you asked that question. I think as we, were, as we were rolling this out and talking to all kinds of customers, Odor came up over and over again. It's a very sensitive topic for people, and it, and it makes sense, right? Um, you sit in a pretty confined space in the car, and you want to make sure that it, it, it smells good. And so um, we do have a no-smoking policy uh, in, in today's state, and we do, we do have um, some, some, you know, some fees around that if you choose to, to, to break that policy. We, are, we have some equipment on the, on the lot to remove odors that may pop up. Um, over the course of a borrower trip. And if we can't get it remedied there and has to get, unfortunately, professionally cleaned, we absolutely pick up the tab for that. Um, we want to inconvenience our owners as, as little as possible. Certainly don't want them out a single penny for having to sh- for having shared their car with us and want to make sure that they are comfortable in their own vehicle, of course, when they, when they return to Denver. We're speaking with Alex David, the general manager of Drift, a new uh, peer-to-peer sharing app where you can share at the airport your car and as you're, if you're a traveler. I'm sure... Alex, that to Joseph's questions here, that that your major role basically is calming people down 
who want to lend their car to people that they have no idea who it is going to be renting their car. Yeah, it, you know, I, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the value prop here is something that's very appealing to people. There's an opportunity to take uh, take what's traditionally a cost of getting to and from the airport and, and getting you know free transportation to the airport, a guaranteed free car wash and a chance to earn money while you're out of town. So, you know, that that portion of it is highly appealing to our owners. But as you said, there are concerns that come with, you know, giving your car to someone that, that you don't know. And so we're thrilled to have uh, a really a really uh, nice partnership with Allstate and a custom written insurance policy, which we found really puts our owners' minds uh, at ease. Your car is covered from the minute you uh, arrive to the lot until the minute you pick your car up. And again, we have that team on site to do pre and post trip damage inspections, pre and post trip car washes, um, you know, taking taking good care of your car all along the way, so that you know, with the owners that we've spoken to, that puts their minds at ease. How important is that partnership with Allstate to you think the success and and the saleability of of the service? Yeah, it's it's tremendously it's tremendously important, and, and we're thrilled to work closely with Allstate uh, on the insurance side of this. You know, we we have such a trusted partner. Um, that, that put a nice insurance policy in place for us. They also handle the claims process should anything go wrong. And I think, you know, both both their tremendous brand and also just the actual quality of the insurance uh, policy that we do have is really important for, for putting for putting our owners' minds at ease. And so, Alex, we've been talking for about eight minutes now, and I want to address like what I guess would call I would call the elephant in the room, which is that like with Airbnb, you have mostly really nice renters, but then you have a couple who just want to trash the place, throw a party, get drunk, sleep in all the rooms, right? There must have been somebody at some point who just rented the BMW so they could go tool around at 120 miles an hour, right? Like, right? <laughs> you know, honestly, we have been, we have been thrilled with um, the, the respect with which our borrowers have treated cars to date. Um, it's a little cliche, but we, we give all of our borrowers uh, a reminder of the golden rule when they pick up a car, which is, you know, remember this is someone else's car and treat it as though you would treat your own. Um, and, you know, whether or not that works, I can't say for sure, but we've certainly, um, you know, been, been actually quite pleased with how few incidents we do have. But to your point, you know, let, we can be transparent. There are issues that do come up. And again, that's where that insurance policy and protection comes into place. Um, you know, you know, if anything goes wrong, we make sure that you have uh, a high quality vehicle uh, to get in as soon as you come home from from your trip. We want we do everything that we can to to minimize any disruption at all uh, to our car owners. Um, but again, it actually has been much less of an issue uh, than, than, you know, I think a lot of people anticipate. A, a question we frequently get, for example, is well, what happens if someone doesn't bring my car back in time? And I, you know, I return to Denver and my car's just not there. Um, we get asked that question all the time. And we've now done um, hundreds and hundreds of trips and actually have not had that happen a, a single time, for example, um, to, to put a finer point around uh, not having a ton of incidents on that topic. So I have in my car a dash cam mounted there on my windshield. I use it all the time for all kinds of just craziness that happens in front of me. Can I leave my dash cam in my car and then go back and review that video if I want to after somebody has rented it for two or three or four days? So we do try to remove personal belongings from vehicles so that uh, a borrower is, is getting into a car that, that feels like their own for the duration of their trip. Um, a dash cam is a type, of, a type of piece of equipment that we would probably remove so that the borrower doesn't feel like they are being monitored. But what if, I, what if I required it? What if I said, I, I'm only going to give you this car and let you take it if I can have my dash cam still in there? 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that that's a car that we would be able to share. You know, we, we certainly respect um, the concerns that, that owners do have, but we also on the flip side of the market want to respect uh, the privacy that, that a borrower wants to enjoy when, when they're on vacation. And so um, certainly respect that, that that's an important thing for some people, but I don't think that that's a car we'd be willing to share. So why Denver? Why, why did you pick DIA to do the service? Yes, yeah, so, so Denver is such a welcoming community of, of the sharing economy. There's, there's all kinds of, of, uh, of really interesting people that we've met along this journey who have all different types of use cases um, and all different types of interest in participating with Drift. But the one thing that's reigned, you know, reigned consistent is an openness to sharing their assets with other people. Um, also, Denver Airport is, is not quite in the city center. And so you have people traveling long distances um, from their homes or their second homes in the mountains to get to the airport. And it makes people think, critically about how they're going to how they're going to transport themselves to and from the airport. So we felt like it was a great a great jumping off point and we've been thrilled to be here in Denver for for 5 or 6 months now. I want to ask you one more question. Give me the testimonial. Who's the one guy who's rented his car out enough to pay for a second mortgage? We actually do have uh, my personal favorite story and it's our very 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 first uh, car owner which makes it that much more special. But there's a couple here uh, who lives lives in Texas for most of the year, but they do own a second home in in here in Colorado, and they had always been renting a car whenever they flew into town. Um, but this, uh, you know, the, the expenses were piling up for them, and this new service came along, and it was just a total godsend to them. It let them get the second vehicle that they had dreamed of always having here in Denver, so that they had the flexibility in their own car when they were in town, and the ability to share that car for the other, you know, three or four weeks in between their trips to Denver made that uh, economic decision work for them. So they've parked with us for, for several months now. Um, they're a tremendous, tremendous couple. And they're, again, we're our very first car owners. So they're, they're very near and dear uh, to, to my heart and all of Drift's heart. I lied. I had one more question. What was it like <laughs> to only have one car owner? I mean, how do you recruit those first five people to be like, yeah, we're going to uh, rent your car out at the airport? Yeah, so, so the first thing we wanted to do is just get out into the community and, and, and start trying to meet people. So we, we hosted a few events at, at local universities and sporting events. And we, we talked to people um, who we knew were parking their car for long periods of time for one reason or another at, at, at parking lots near the airport. Um, of course, the, the first customer is, is a particularly special one. Um, they stumbled upon our website um, through, through, some, through some online research that they were doing. But we, we really try to, try to engage our, our owners in a variety of different ways. Because, um, again, people are coming to us with all different types of use cases. So we only, I think, have about a minute left with you, uh, Alex David, the general manager of Drift. So what's the money on both sides? Is, is it less expensive for me to use Drift if, if, over, let's say, going to budget mm-hmm. or thrifty or what, that sort of thing? And what kind of money yeah. am I making by, by letting, lending you my car? Yeah, so, so we definitely aim to price competitively um, with those more traditional rental car companies. And, and by competitively, I mean that we, we, we typically try to come in under them from a pricing perspective. But certainly, you know, it's, it's a volatile market. Prices change quite a bit. And so there's no there's no guarantee there. But we, we certainly aim to be um, priced beneath beneath a lot of those competitors. On the owner side of the market, though, um, you can earn currently up to $50 a day. Um, per day that your large SUV is shared with us. Uh, prices vary by car class, of course, but you can earn up to $50 a day by, by sharing a full-size SUV. And that's, again, on top of the free car wash and on top of those savings um, that you would otherwise, or excuse me, on top of, yeah, on top of the savings that you would otherwise um, be paying money for in terms of getting to and from the airport, parking at the airport, what have you. So it's a, we found it to be a very compelling uh, value proposition for, for those car owners. So what's the split for you guys? Do you, do you make money on both sides of this rental? 
Uh, we share a cut of the the earnings from sharing cars with our car owners. But you're not getting anything from the people that are renting, or or how does that do, does the car owner get all that money? Right. So so the, the a borrower of a vehicle would you know pay us for their trip, and then we split that the, that trip price with our car owners. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, that's about all the time we have. Unfortunately, you're a very busy man, Alex Tava, the general manager of Drift. Thank you so much for joining us here, uh, spending your time with us on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed chatting. All right, there goes Alex David, the general manager of Drift, and um, you say you're more on board now than you were at the beginning of the interview. That is true. I uh, Look, man, if there's a certain cleanliness standard that comes along with this, why wouldn't I be in favor of it? I think the fear is, one, you're going to rent and end up with a beater, or not what you were promised, or two, you're going to rent to somebody and you're going to end up with a beater, or not what you were promised. And if there's reasonable safeguards in place to ensure that neither of those things is going to happen, then yes, it's a good service. I'll give you an example. I was using Instacart for a while, right? That's where they go shop your groceries for you, deliver them to your place. And the problem with Instacart is that over and over again, you get... One time I had a guy delivering groceries with his child with him, and he was pushing them in a, in the child's stroller. That was uncomfortable. I had one guy come up who I, I'm certain was homeless, right, and smelled like he was homeless. I had one where I had a woman who was shopping it in the app, but the guy who showed up looked nothing like the woman because he was a guy, right? And so that's where it becomes a safety concern because right. you're not getting who you were promised, and that's concerning to me as a consumer because now it's like, oh, somebody has my address that I don't know who they are and I don't know that they've been vetted. And so it's the same thing with Drift. Somebody has my car and if I don't know who they are and I don't feel like they've been properly vetted, I'm not interested in them renting my car. But if there's reasonable protections in place, if they're checking licenses and things like that, why wouldn't I trust that? And it's interesting, two two points there. One, they want you to empty out your car basically. So so are you always going to be traveling or, or do you, when, you, when you know you're going to be going to the airport, I guess you have to empty your glove box, empty the side. I mean, make sure your car is in basically rental car emptiness. And then, two, it was interesting that they actually have people out there checking the cars, making sure the transactions go well. Because it's over at the right by the U.S. airport parking, so it's an off-parking lot area that they're doing this service. And then they shuttle you back and forth, I guess, to the airport just like – or you, you probably get on the U.S. airport shuttle. Right. Um, I didn't get to ask them that. But it is it is obviously a better use of your vehicle to let somebody else use it and get paid for it. However, they're also putting up to 150 miles a day on your car. Yep. Um, so if they're renting it for a, a week, I mean, you could see a thousand miles on your car. Yeah, I think it would. You would still have to take a look at the insurance policy and see if you felt like it was bulletproof, right? Like if if my if my car comes back and there's a knock that wasn't there before. I'm going to want the knock taken care of, whatever it winds up being. Um, and then the other thing, obviously, is like if the card never comes back, which he claims yeah. that hasn't happened. I don't know if I buy that. Uh, I want to be able to get a new car. But why not then just buy, let's say, I can make $50 a day. And let's say it's on average going five days a week. Well, let's just say four days a week. So I'm bringing in $200 a week on my car that I'm giving them. I mean, you're looking at six to eight hundred dollars a month. Maybe if you're really lucky, a thousand dollars a month to it, to let your car be borrowed out there at the airport. So, well, I, I, couldn't I go buy a brand new uh, Chevy? What's it? And let it sit out there, 
and have it paid off basically in six months. Well, I, one that requires the apps be in use as much as we think it might be, and I'm not convinced that that's the case. And the other thing is, like at that point, you don't even own the car anymore. You're just a rental service. You buy you buy yourself, right? In order okay. to actually make any sure. But the thing but is, that's, isn't that what people do when they buy a house or a second house, and they they're always renting it on VRBO or on uh, on Airbnb? I, Honestly, that would not be my recommended investment either. If we're gonna well, go that's that what direction. a lot of people, especially here, do. They buy a second place up at Winter Park or Breckenridge or Vale, and then they basically are renting it out all the time and then just going up there every couple of weeks. There, there's some big differences between the depreciation on a house and the depreciation sure. on a yes. car. So you got to exactly. look at that, too. Um, the other thing is just like I, I just don't see – if it's $50 for a large SUV, what is it for a Jetta? You know what I mean? Like 15 bucks a day is not worth the hassle. No. It's just not. And the free car wash might be. The free car wash was what got me, man, because that's like 100 bucks. You <laughs> no, tell me you're giving not, me a free car wash. It's not $100. It's like $10. The car wash that they're doing after they rented the car to somebody else probably is worth about 100 I doubt it. It better I be. I doubt it's $100. <laughs> no way. I'm just saying the free car wash is incentive enough. If you give me a few extra bucks on the side, sure. What I wish I was uh, had the time to ask him was about the future of – not only his his service, but also the other services that that are out there. Any of these sharing services, because it seems like this is the new way to go. You're just really connecting. That's basically what Uber was supposed to be. It it's is not. It's not an app where it is doing the service. It's just providing a service where you are able to hook up with somebody else who wants to give you a ride and you want a ride. Well, and the salty answer is the future of Drift is acquisition by Uber or Lyft, so the guy can cash out and make it. Ch- ton of money off it and go retire on a beach somewhere oh you think so i hope so man (laughs) good luck alex i I wish you all the best dude i see your future yeah it's uh it's it's gonna be interesting to see where this one goes where all of them go uh um you know i guess we'll just keep keep looking at it and it was also interesting to see why you know they're doing it here in denver and and how they're going to be well received in miami or new york or charlotte or la or how how it's all going to play out so i don't know I guess time will tell. Okay, as as we wrap up the show today, it's time to answer a listener's question. We're going to go to Brad. Brad left us a voicemail, and he has a comment about the I-25 Gap Project, which is a construction widening project uh, south of Denver between Denver and Colorado Springs. Here's Brad. Yeah, this is Brad Steens. I'm sitting down here trying to get to Denver, Colorado. I left Colorado Springs like an hour and 45 minutes ago. Haven't even made it to f***ing Castle Rock yet. Why don't you guys report on ways to get around this damn mess down here so people can get where they're going and show that on TV instead of just the regular town. This interstate's a joke down here, bud. (laughs) It takes four hours to get from Colorado Springs to Castle Rock. That ain't right. There's got to be ways around this. You guys got to have it on TV or something, but... This is a freaking mess. Thanks, bye. <laughs> Bless Thanks, you. bye. Jeez, man. Best lie in the interstate's a joke down here, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, sorry, Brad. Uh, do we not cover this enough, man? We've been uh, saying this forever. You and I specifically have been saying this forever. Yeah, yeah. fix the gap, man. Put the funding towards yeah. it. This is the big... This is the... If it's not the most pressing issue in Colorado transportation right now, it's a close second behind how are we going to fix the mountain corridor. Yeah, it is one of the big ones. And, yeah, you bet. You bet, Brad. It's a joke during construction. It's not fun. I hear about it. I, I Complaints like yours a lot. 
Um, we had a crash, and usually we have crashes down there every single day. Correct. Had one this morning, yep. and it jammed up traffic for about, I don't know, 90 minutes coming up from the springs. Um, by the way, I, I, I do show it all the time on TV, especially when it's very bad, when there's a crash in there, anything like that. But one of the problems for Brad, I believe, is that we're, we're not the primary broadcast stations in the springs. They have their own TV stations. That's the southeast corner of Colorado is covered by... Uh, the Colorado Springs TV stations. Um, we are now we're partnered with KRDO, but uh, that's just because of ABC. But now we're, we Scripps has purchased KOAA. That purchase the, is not final. We cannot comment until that purchase is final. Okay, uh, but in t- <laughs> that's where Brad's probably getting his news. He's probably watching the Colorado Springs TV stations and not watching me here on Denver Seven. Correct, Brad. Get on Twitter. Follow Jason Luber. Yeah, he could do that. It's exactly right. He could watch us on the Roku or the Fire Stick app. Right. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. We call it OTT around here. Over the top. Yes. On the top. Around the top. Eat the top. Muffin top. Speaking of over the top, let's talk about that traffic on I-25. It's over the top. <laughs> it's a problem. If you just search I-25 Castle Rock, you will find our coverage. Man. Oh, yeah. It's there. And they ca- talk about it all the time because I see their Twitter messages on all from all of their, their people that do any traffic reporting uh, in the Springs. They, they are reporting on all the gap problems, like the one this morning, and then they sometimes will either use my information and, and retweet that out or uh, or put it out on their broadcast. So, so that information is out there, Brad. Yes. Yes, it's, it is. It's definitely out there. And it's to the point where as a news person, I feel like we cover this gap too much. Like, really, we've done a ton of stories on yeah. this. Nothing's changed. Nothing no. Nothing has changed. Brad, go start a ballot initiative. By the way, I would say suggestion for future reference, always before you leave, even if you have just watched a traffic report on TV or hear one on the radio, my suggestion is is get the Waze app or get Google Maps. should already probably be on your phone. Consult that. Uh, you can even put the turn-by-turn direction, you know, just where are you going, where are you, it knows where you are, and then it, it will route you around, especially ways, the right ways. Uh, there is a highway called 83, Highway 83, just to the east of I-25. And there's a smaller highway called 105 out of Palmer Lake that is to the west of I-25 that will take you up to Castle Rock. And, and you can use either of those um, to avoid all the construction altogether if you want to, wh- whether there's a delay in there or not. You don't ever have to go through that construction project. Um, but there, there are other options. By the way, I wanted to mention, if any other listener, anybody hearing the sound of my voice right now has a question or comment, you would like to leave a voicemail, you can call 303-832-8037. I think that's to our Call 7 helpline. I think. Because Marianne, she's the one that sends me some of these comments and questions. Perfect. So Love I think Marianne. it goes to Marianne. And if, if, if you don't want to talk to her... We'll just leave the voice. Hey, I, I need to leave a voicemail for the guys on the Driving You Crazy podcast. And uh, I get 303-832-8037. You can leave the voicemail there, and maybe you'll hear yourself as a recording on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast right there. And we will play it, and we will answer it, because yes, that's we what we do around here. Next week, I, I actually answered a viewer's question about those uh, barrels. You've seen those big barrels. They're called attenuators. Slow down traffic if you hit them, usually in construction zones, those big or yellow yep. barrels. Yep. Most people think they're filled with sand, or sometimes they're, they're rectangular. Um, 
but see, some there was a big crash a couple weeks ago, and somebody hit it, and there was it was it looked like water all over the the highway. And somebody was going, well, if it's full of water and it's winter, why isn't it a block of ice? That is a good question. It is a good question uh, because it's not full of water. It's actually full of magnesium chloride, or usually a solution of like a salt water solution, so it doesn't freeze. Uh huh. Therefore, you don't have to worry about hitting a solid block of ice when you hit one of those attenuators that's supposed to slow you down. And typically, if they if they fill it with sand, it's not just pure sand. It's actually sand and salt because the salt will help wick away the moisture from the sand so it keeps the sand, if there was any moisture in there, from also turning into a brick of sand. Um, science. Science. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thomas Dolby. Anytime. Anyway, that's all the show we have for you today. I think it was, a, once again, a beautiful broadcast. But finally, here it is, the housekeeping notes. You are going to be apparently out of the co-hosting chair for an undetermined amount of time. Yes, indefinite uh-huh. leave of absence. How long do you think this is going to be? What do you think is going to happen? What are we, are we gonna, how are we going to work this out? I, I don't want to put a date on it, man. I, I think indefinite is the way to go. Um, I, got, I have a lot of personal things going on right now. I don't want to get into too much detail, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's time to take a break, and when you know when we're back together, it'll be better than ever. Uh, and I, I I don't like this. Uh, I'm not happy about this. We've uh, we've grown to to really have a good rapport here over the last couple of years. We've literally been doing this for years. Yes, we have. Yes, and it's been fantastic. Yes, and I think the show has really grown. Uh, it is it has really taken off. We have uh, we've gotten rid of the break. We have interviews. We. I think we have a really good informative program here. I think Absolutely. we're taking off. So I guess I'm going to have to find some other co-hosts for the program. I look forward to see the rotating co-host chair for a while. Some uh, special guests, some celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping we get the return of Teresa Marchetta to Denver 7 Programming on this pro- podcast. All right. Maybe we can invite her in. You're right. Because she's now working with the city. She's working with the mayor. Um, I'll probably have to start with old reliable Nicole Brady. Our favorite. Um, she's great. I- if she isn't here... Then I'll just have to pick somebody from the newsroom. Jason Grenauer has been good, um, but he isn't always here during the day. Uh, I, c- I can't have a Hidalgo in here at all. I just can't do that. Um, she's just intolerable. I think it's time to bring Hannah Knight on the air. Hannah Knight? Yes. Our 4.30 a.m. show producer? Correct. Really? Yes. If you thought I was young, wait until you beat <laughs> Hannah Knight. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Uh, but you know what? Not everybody is actually good at this. There's actually a skill to doing either radio or podcasting very well. And there's some people that can't do it. There's some people in our newsroom. Some people we've had on the podcast aren't very good at doing it. So I can't invite them on the show. We're not going to throw anybody under the bus again. We've already done that on this podcast. <laughs> some, are, some are natural good at it. Some are. But there, there, there is, there's a technique. There's a, there's a, a rhythm that you've got to have. Right? And there's some people that just aren't good at that. Correct. No rhythm, you could say. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, maybe I'll have to do it solo occasionally. I don't know. That, that never goes well. I am intrigued to see what this podcast sounds like solo. <sighs> could we get you just a board of sounds to fill in the <laughs> gaps? I, I do have that rimshot uh, soundbite somewhere here. Yeah, man. Just like talking to yourself. Like talking to the soundboard. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. But no, you always bring different interesting perspectives that I don't think of, um, especially when it comes to the interviews, and and that is always very helpful. I think it really broadens out um, our different points of view and our perspectives here on the show. So, 
Well, we'll see how long it goes. I'm hoping it's only going to be a week, but if it's a month or a, or longer, we'll see where it goes. An indefinite period of time. Uh, until you are back, thanks again for being here as always. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luba, the Traffic Guy. I'm a beat-eating, boot-scooting rascal, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.